And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who just doesn't like rain. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And boy, oh boy, has it been beautiful here. I'm on the mainland with Colonel Jeff, of course, and it was so beautiful out here today and for the last week because it's been raining like Noah's Ark rain, where even he would have said, okay, that's too much. And I will tell you more about that later, but still a beautiful area. Well, you know what? No, it's just horrible with rain. But boy, I sure am happy to talk to you again. And uh, of course, that was the Ken Berry Orchestra and the Carol Channing Dancers featuring boy tenor Mike Lucking asking the musical question, which song describes Larry and Colonel Jeff? Diary by Bread or Hey Joe by Jimi Hendrix? Well, first of all, Mike, this is a good time to say how much Colonel Jeff and I dig you. Now, that's the truth. You and Brad Simpson write in a lot of great stuff for the musical questions, and many other folks do, and it it means a lot to us. It means a lot to me. And in this case, though, it's good question, Mike. But to, to start out with, I have to tell you the truth. Neither the colonel nor I had the slightest idea what those two songs were. Now, I'm I'm a deadhead, okay? I know I may look like the, uh, the president of an accounting group. And uh, fine with me, by the way. But... Uh, I'm a deadhead and always have been. And when Brett and Hendrix put out those songs, there's a good chance, like a 100% chance, I was listening to American Beauty or Working Man's Dead, period. Or Zappa. Oh, God, I always loved Frank Zappa and still do and will forever. But the greatest man in the music world to me has the first name Jerry and the last name Garcia, and that is that. For Colonel Jeff, it was the Ramones and the Minutemen, the Dead Milkmen, the Dickies, and uh, I may not know those either, but I trust the Colonel, and I trust you, Mike. But uh, uh, by the way, Colonel Jeff found the bread song, Diary, on the Internet so we could hear it, and he, he played it, and I'll be honest, after just five or ten words in the acoustic guitar they had there that we looked at each other and thought, I think that will be enough of that. So... We instantly picked Hendrix. I don't know what that song's about, but he's great and a classic star, and he deserves that, and that was good enough forever. So which song describes me and Colonel Jeff? I'm going to go with Sugar Magnolia. And Mike, thanks. Well, thanks for being so cool. I mentioned two show business greats there by the way, Ken Berry and Carol Channing. And they both uh, just passed on. Uh, Carol, uh, God bless her, I think it was just a day or two ago. 
And uh, Ken Berry, it was a, a couple of weeks ago already, a few weeks ago, and they were wonderful, and I'm sure they still are. Boy, Ken Berry made did so much work, but just just in that TV show F Troop, which I loved, a great show, and him playing Captain Wilton Parmenter, I just loved it, and I loved the opening song because it's one of the few times in TV where they tell the whole story of the show every week at the beginning of the show. And, uh, you know, that he just, he's got a cold and he sneezes his way into leading the men in a charge. He's got his sword out, but he just, isn't that what happens? And he, and then, of course, he gets a promotion. He gets to be the captain, the commander of a, of a fort in, uh, in Indian country. I'm laughing because they were the Hakawis. Oh, what a good cast. They had so many good people in that thing. And uh, God bless him. Larry Storch is still well, and I uh, I would hire him for anything. They were all good, though. And Ken, boy, oh, boy, you were terrific in that every single week. And uh, I bet you still are. And Carol Channing, Boy, oh boy, how do you how do you not love her? How many Broadway shows was she's the star in? And whew, just come on, she deserves every award and every kiss blown her way. And uh, I'm sorry that uh, she was 97 when she just passed on. And I just you know you got to say you and well, Colonel Jeff and I both agreed. That's not a kid, you know, that she really had a big, full life. And I wish she had 97 more years attached to it. But uh, it's worth mentioning them again. I love show business and so does the Colonel. And we're made for it. And so are a lot of you folks. But you know what? It's a good time to say, you know, just cross your heart and look up and say, Ken, Carol... Good luck. And by PayPal. That's right, PayPal. One of the greatest groups. Boy, oh boy, you know that it means a lot to me and to us here that if you want to, you want to help the show out, and why wouldn't you? And you want to send some money, and why wouldn't you? PayPal is a great way to do it. You know, it's the kind of group that makes you feel you, you're saving the world. And... Who knows? Maybe you are. So to get to PayPal, by the way, you could do it, you know, on your own computer, on your own laptop, on your own iPhone, on your own anything. But don't do that. That's that's not fair. What you want to do is go to our website, which is LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Oh, I'm sorry. I should have had a bagel. But you know what? It's it's a great group, PayPal. Go to our website. We have a banner on it that says PayPal. Go there, and you know what? Work with them. Join up in all sorts of ways. And yes, will that help us out too? Well, what's wrong with that? So thanks, folks, for those who've already contributed and those who are about to. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke of the week. Well, this is, a, this is a good one. The colonel and I got a good chuckle out of this one, and I hope you do too. 
there's uh, a bunch of folks waiting for a bus, and they're kind of crowded in. And as the bus pulls up in the Port Authority bus terminal in New York, well, they're, they're crowded in there. They're pressing forward. And uh, and one of them is, uh, well, a, a lovely young woman in a, in a tight, well, leather dress. And uh, she's... And she's, well, filling out the leather beautifully. She's lovely and very womanly and, uh, or to put it in one word, zowie. And, uh, she is, uh, she makes her way. She's getting uh, toward the, the bus and she's, there's one guy in front of her and then he gets on and she gets on the bus too, but she can't. The dress is too tight and too leathery. She can't get the one leg up and just get on there. And she just, she's, Kind of grins at the driver and and then says, "Sorry, folks, behind her." And she uh, tries again there, you know. And she she reaches behind her, and just to well unzip a tiny bit of the skirt, just you know, even an inch, just to give her a little more room to get a leg there, get a leg up there. And uh, here we go. Oh, she uh, this is uh, here we go. And she'll she can't do it again. Can't still not enough room. And she. Well, smiles again a little nervously, and then just the same thing. Reaches behind her, a little, just a little more down, another inch down on the on the zipper, and here we go. She's confident this time. You know, all right, fine, you go. No, can't do it. She still can't get the. You know, finally reaches behind her again, under another two inches this time, and just she's really trying to get that leg up, and now. The man behind her, who's a big Texan with a big cowboy hat on, just takes charge and grabs her from behind around her little waist there and just picks her up and plops her onto the bus there and just on her feet and just on the bus. And she turns around and says, well, well, sir, how dare you do that? How how dare you touch me like that? I didn't ask for your help. And, and you know, I... I I have no idea who you are. And the Texan says, well, after you unzipped my fly three times, I thought we were friends. <laughs> By the way, who wouldn't understand that? <laughs> anyway, I hope you like that. We got a kick out of it. And uh, especially it's in the, the wonderful world of jokes where you never know what's going to happen in that joke. And, uh, and the Texan was just trying to help her out. And, well, it wasn't so hard for him to pick her up around the waist there, get the two hands, just pick her right up and and plop her into that into the bus. But I hope you like that one, folks. As always, if you do, pass it along. Tell it to friends and family and such and go to an old school reunion with it. But that's always good to me. Keep a Keep a good joke alive. And you'll be glad you did. And uh, by the way, that one was sent in by a listener of ours, Biff Latourette. So thank you, Biff. That's a good one. And keep sending them in. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. I still love that string quartet. This one is called 
The Rain by William Henry Davies. And by the way, William Henry Davies lived from 1871 to 1940. He was a Welshman from Wales, and he spent a large part of his life as a tramp or hobo, intentionally. Now, I don't know why, and the colonel doesn't know why, but he did that. That's what he wanted to do and to be, and he was a tramp and a hobo. And uh, in both the United Kingdom and then the U.S. here, our country. And he became a famous poet. And so here it is, The Rain by William Henry Davies. I hear leaves drinking rain. I hear rich leaves on top, giving the poor beneath drop after drop. Tis a sweet noise to hear these green leaves drinking near. And when the sun comes out after this rain shall stop, a wondrous light will fill each dark round drop. I hope the sun shines bright. Twill be a lovely sight. Isn't that nice? He was a good poet. And uh, he probably finished that one and just hopped on the sidecar of a train going to Wyoming. But uh makes him an interesting cat, doesn't it? Decided to live like a hobo intentionally. And uh, I have another one for you, another poem. Uh, a haiku, which is, as I'm sure you know, a very short poem. It's by, uh, uh, it's called First Winter Rain by Matsuo Basho. And uh, he's a Japanese poet, lived, by the way, from 1644 to 1694. And as both of the colonel and I acknowledged, 50 years old was pretty good in those days. And I think probably especially in Japan where he lived, and he was born there, he grew up there, he lived there. And when here's the thing about this guy. When he was a child, he was a servant, and his master shared his passion for poetry composition. That was good luck for both of them. So here's First Winter Rain by Matsuo Basho. First winter rain. Even the monkey seems to want a raincoat. That's nice. Interesting. Again, that whole structure and the whole theory of haiku is so... It makes you really think. It's so interesting. And in this case, by the way, it's uh, very rare where the poet's name is actually longer than the poem. So, uh, thank you, Matsuo, and thank you to the great William Henry Davies. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show, MMM, the Magic Movie Moment. This is a this is a great movie, and I just happened, by the way, to see it again about a week and a half ago, and it's worth it. It's a long movie. It's three and a half hours with an intermission, by the way. That's something you don't see a lot anymore or ever, but that's pretty good, too. From 1962, Lawrence of Arabia, directed by David Lean, starring 
Peter O'Toole, Omar Sharif, Jack Hawkins, Claude Rains, Jose Ferrar, Anthony Quinn, and so many others. Wow, what a cast this thing has. And uh, by the way, it won uh, two Oscars. Uh, David Lean won one of them for Best Director. It won Best Movie and Best Director. And folks, it's just worth it. If you haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia in a long time, see it again. And not just for that intermission, even though that's pretty cool when it happens. They put the word up there, intermission, against a like a fancy curtain, and you think, intermission? Wow. I went to a movie with an intermission once, and I can't, I can't even remember what it was. Might have been West Side Story, and uh, where they showed a remake of it, or uh, not remake, but they had had it redone and shined up. And boy, that intermission! So you stand up, and you look around, and you smile at whoever you're with. And uh, this movie, though, folks, see it. There are so many magic movie moments in it, and there's one that I can. Well, never get over. They're on their way at Lawrence's idea. That's Peter O'Toole. And he says to Prince Faisal at the time, why do we have to do this and why do we have to give up just because you lost a battle? And he suggests, let's attack Aqaba. And this is really something. That was a huge port city and a lot of supplies were being in there. It was held by the Turks in World War One, and it was very well armed. No one could attack it. But here's the thing. All the guns, all the cannons, all the soldiers, everything there was pointed at the sea. And Lawrence knew that because they were all pointed and they were entrenched in concrete, pointed at the sea, waiting for ships to try and land to attack them. And there was nothing behind them because, well, the only thing there was the desert, the Nefud Desert, which was uh, was the, the nickname by the Arabs was the Sun's Anvil. That makes certainly makes that an attractive sounding place, doesn't it? The Sun's Anvil. They said you can't do that. And, and uh, Omar Sharif, who played uh, Sharif Ali, and, and it, was, it was O'Toole's partner in this. Uh, every enterprise they did, and says we can't do it. You can't do this. This is. This is insane. It's suicide. You'll never make it. We won't make it. And O'Toole just says, we will. And they do. And it's just astonishing. Fifty men Prince Faisal gives him. And they set off across the Nafud Desert. And yes, it is just astonishing. And yes, it is as bad as it could be. And yes, they do have to travel just at night in the desert there because it's too hot during the day to move. And yet they get across before they get fully across. Or as they come to the end of it, finally, and uh, Peter O'Toole, well, meets Anthony Quinn, who's the, the chief, the big sheik, in front of a whole other tribe. And he, I remember they all have dark blue robes. And he's tough. And they find, though, as they get there, and they're drinking water there around a pond, they have finally crossed the Nefud Desert. But one of Omar Sharif's soldiers, one of his servant soldiers, is not there. He fell off his camel. 
he passed out back in the desert. And everyone says, well, it is, that's God's will. You know, and, uh, and O'Toole is the one who says, there's no such thing. I will go get him. And they say again, including Omar Sharif, you're a lunatic. We're here to do this. We're here. We can attack them tomorrow from behind the way you planned. And he says, I will get him. I will get Qasim and I will go get him. And he does. It's unbelievable. He goes back and finds him crawling in the desert and saves him and brings him back. The men go nuts. They really think this is such a godlike thing that Lawrence did. And even Omar Sharif, even, even Sharif Ali is sold now. He comes over and he can't believe Lawrence did this. And he's, he's with it now. He's with the whole program. He's on Lawrence's side. And in fact, he's so taken. He gives him, uh, Arab robes, which is a big gift. And, uh, they're, they're, well, you know what? It's the next day. They're going to attack. And they're so taken with the moment there. Suddenly, a shot and a scream ring out. And there's been a fight, an old blood feud. And that, that name alone for it tells you something. I, it's, doesn't matter. It was one of the other guys says, what's it about? It doesn't matter. It makes no matter. It is these two. The one from one tribe and one from Anthony Quinn's tribe. And they realize, and one of them was killed. And they realize instantly, that's it. There will be no attack on Aqaba now. There will be nothing. Nothing can ever occur between these two tribes except more hatred and more blood feud themselves. And O'Toole just goes to them and just says, uh, all right, he says, stop, everyone stop. He turns to Anthony Quinn and says, "Have if this man dies, it's, a, it's, it's all right. So a death calls for a death. If this man who killed him dies, because it was Anthony Quinn's man who was killed, if he, if he dies, will that satisfy the Hawitat? That's their tribe. And Quinn says, yes. And O'Toole looks over then at Omar Sharif and says, if the Hawitat guarantee that they will never take a life of you, of the Harit, would, uh, will that satisfy you? And Sharif says, yes. And then O'Toole shouts, I will execute the law. I am in no tribe. No one is offended. And then this will end. And he takes, he holds out his hand and he takes the pistol from Omar Sharif. And it's a revolver. It's got six bullets in it. And he walks over and he parts everyone who's around the killer. They all part. And he and we see it's Gassim. It's the man he just saved from the desert. It's the man he went back into the desert to save. And O'Toole is thunderstruck. And he's he's just about 10 feet from Gassim. And he says, did you do this? And Gassim is really almost crying and shaking. And he nods. Yes, he did. And... O'Toole, it's very well shot by David Lean. Everything in this is well shot. O'Toole 
raises the pistol, and Gassim tries to get away, whatever that means. He tries to roll to one side in the desert there, and and O'Toole, we hear, you hear, I hear, bang, 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 bang. And he's done it. He's killed Gassim, and he's saved the war that they're about to do. And he's held this group together. And the next day, they attack Aqaba. What happens? Well, you'll have to see the movie for that. But it's well worth it. And that scene to me, and the story behind it, is a magic movie moment. Qasim's execution by Lawrence. See Lawrence of Arabia, folks. If you haven't seen it in years, see it again. If you've never seen it, sit down and see it. And, well, during the intermission, you can go brush your teeth and anything else you want to do. But you know what? It's worth it. And they they went through so much, and that's why, by the way, there's so much rain here now. Speaking of going through things that all I could think of, and for it's been about a week and a half, two weeks now, every so often here, it rains in Southern California, but when it does, it's as I said, it's like Noah's Ark rain. It's like Vietnam. And it's been every day, all day, every night, all night. And it's sheets of it. And the only thing I could keep thinking was the old... The old little saying, the old poem, rain, rain, go away, come again another day. Well, I'm not even sure where that came from, but that's what you want to say for this. This this rain is so heavy, just sheets and sheets of it, and it's it's nuts. And all, by the way, all Southern Californians say the same thing to each other. Well, we needed it. We Yeah, we needed it. Not this much, okay? No one needs it this much. I don't care. It's pouring cats and dogs right now. Even though Colonel Jeff and I are are sitting here in the studio in stately Miller Manor. And just him getting over here tonight was a heck of a trip. It was as if he had just crossed the Nefud Desert. And that's, that's the kind of chore it is. Wherever you go during the day. Whew. And it's by the way, it's worth mentioning the, that at this point we don't have rain like this on Milleronia because I won't allow it. I, uh, I mean, the last person to say we needed it on Milleronia was carried right to volcano number one and tossed in. No ceremony. He didn't even get the customary flight of the bumblebee by the town trumpet player, or the dance of the seven veils on his walk up there. Just up and in. That's our motto, and. As his screams drifted away when the lava took him, Ollie Dungmeister Jr. was heard to say, I guess the volcano needed it. Well, but, and I'm telling you, this in Southern California, the biggest topic of conversation when it rains this much are about which supermarket to go to because, well, I don't care where you live. You could be only a mile from Gelson's, but it could be only a block away but they only have outdoor parking and Ralph's has indoor parking. They have two floors in a closed. It's, it's concrete. It's a parking lot. That's a big thing, folks. I don't know where you live, but you go to Gelson's, you'd still have to walk 
50 or 100 feet from your car in this torrential rain, and you'd look like Ramsey's the second when you finally got in and grabbed a cart. I made that decision and went to Ralph's today, parked in the two-story indoor lot, and here's a tip for all of you. Walk very carefully. And the reason that's such a big tip from me to you, I don't care where you live, but every jerk comes out when it rains like this just to drive and drive you nuts. They cut in front. They pull over without signaling. They take two spaces and a lot of curse at you. They do everything wrong because they love it. They're all a little crazy and a little weird, and they only come out in rain like this. Carts were actually bumping into each other all over the store today, in the store. And I'm telling you, when do you see that in the store? You don't. I mean, carts clang, bumping in, and people just glare at each other. And I'm telling you, they were spoiling for a fight. An old woman whose cart was filled with low-fat yogurt thought I was blocking her. I wasn't. And she gave me the dirtiest look I've ever gotten. I wanted to say with a smile that, Oh, dear, don't do that. Don't feel that. I don't know where you came from today or where you're going, but you and I should be smiling at each other. You know, if you wanted, I'd give you a hand down to your car with with all the yogurt. But uh, she wasn't having any of it, and I didn't say anything to her. She just gave me that, you know, the big fish eye, and, and whoa. I'm telling you, in that store today, old women... Kids, priests, everybody was itching to give you a black eye. Now, I grew up in New York, and Colonel Jeff grew up in, well, big farmland back east. And we both know how rain and snow and hurricanes, but, you know, folks, as soon as we moved out here, everyone gets so spoiled. And that's the truth of it. We all, then it rains like this, we all fall apart. My wife is one of the 11 people actually born in Los Angeles. Everyone else is like me and the colonel, and we just move here. And when it really rains like today, we flip out. People flip out. They can't take it. They can't drive. They can't walk. They can't pick up the paper outside. Nothing. Nothing. And every day when it rains like this, I feel like a caveman looking up and saying, what is water from sky? And Colonel Jeff had just said that we were doing the prep for the show. Colonel Jeff said, uh, summer rains are nice. And uh, I thought, yeah, well, he's right. But so what? I mean, I don't really know what a summer. I don't know when the last time was I went in the summer rain. Yeah, I guess that's okay. But still, so so what? When it rains like this, this is horrifying. I, I don't know about you, but when we were kids, rain turned to snow. We don't get a lot of lightning and thunder around here. Some, but very little. and. When it comes, boy, it sounds like cannon from heaven. So no snow, no frozen lakes, just rain and rain and rain. One thing heavy rain does that's good, though. It reminds you to the bottom of your soul how good it is to have a house and be inside it. Boy, you hear that rain pounding on the roof and you're just glad it's not pounding on you. Mighty glad. And you know that. I know that, and you know that. And we all know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. And I'll bet it doesn't rain there. So remember, folks, as always... 
If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who loves you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Remember that. And remember that eventually, like all things, the rain will stop. We'll see you here next time.